Good evening everybody, it's 6.30pm UK time on Wednesday night. I'm Claire Maxted, the host of Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel and this is the Wild Ginger Running Q&A. Welcome. This is the show where I answer all your questions about trail and ultra running live on YouTube. So, I'm going to read out a few hellos tonight because people are drip feeding in and questions covered tonight. We are going to be talking about four quite frankly vital things that every trail runner needs to know how to use heart rate for ultra training how to clean kit to make sure it lasts for the longest possible time particularly bottles and jackets recommendations for winter socks and gloves and what to carry in a first aid kit so we'll be getting onto those questions in just a moment and i'm going to read out some hellos so if you want me to say hello to everybody um, then type something in the live chat just now Okay, so in these live broadcasts, I'm just going to ex explain a little bit about how it works. I always give priority to the questions from my patrons, who are the very generous and very loyal supporters of Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel. So if you want to access our inner circle um, for like exclusive Facebook groups, uh, well, we have an exclusive Facebook group and a Strava group as well. Um, there's the monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail running kit. Um, there's Wild Ginger Running merchandise, extra content like behind the scenes stuff um, we have meetups as well well we're, we're gonna try and have a meetup aren't we um, and then there's other tiers where you can get training advice um, then take a look at all the perks at patreon.com slash wild ginger running and just here throughout the entire show so you have no excuse if you would like to join you can see exactly where to go so we have some new patrons joining us in the month of september so i want to say a very warm welcome to the following people holly wharton ricky wilson adrian orange simon lakin james perry and the amazing peter hunt has upped his pledge too so thank you so much to all of you for your support and thanks also to all my loyal subscribers as well for your awesome continued support because this channel is for you and I'm so glad that you support me doing it. One little thing to note, just before we get going with the questions, next week's live broadcast um, has to be on Thursday because Sabrina Vergie, who's just done the ladies record for the Pennine Way FKT, she can only make Thursday. So we're gonna shift the live broadcast to Thursday, 6.30 p.m. But Wednesday, I think, is the 30th of September. Yes, it is. So I'll be doing the live competition draw around lunchtime on the Wednesday. So there will be a live broadcast on the Wednesday. So keep your eyes peeled. It'll be around lunchtime, I don't know, midday, one o'clock, that kind of thing. So keep your eyes peeled. So first of all, I'm going to say some hellos to everybody who is watching. Nice to have everybody here tonight. Then we're going to go on to our first question about how to use heart rate for ultra training, which is from Philip Haddock and Kelly Bernard um, Benedetti. They both want to know this. So um, first of all, Alex DeHoto says hello. Hello, everyone, he says. Um, Philip Haddock is here as well. Brilliant. I'm glad you're here, Phil. We've got your question coming up first. Um, Conrad. Oh, Conrad, we need to arrange a Skype chat, don't we, for your training? Um, let's book that in soon. Um, um, yeah, hit me up on Patreon. Um, Amanda Armstrong is here. She says, hey, Alex and everyone. Uh, oh, super 
Bantasaurus, excellent name there, <laughs> it says evening all. Adrian Camilleri is here, hello to you Adrian. Running Ram says hi to everyone. Nigel Barnett says hi to everyone, Hannah Baisley as well. Um, and Running Ram, or, oh my goodness, Running Ram's already got a question in. Um, oh, oh, that's strange, I do not know what, <laughs> he did his first solo ultra, five, um, 53 kilometers and when it finished, he got feverish symptoms. Also got it after the Langdale Marathon. Why is my body reacting like fever? I am not sure. Um, I would like to say that is something that maybe you should ask a doctor, because um, I haven't heard of that so much happening. Um, could be that you just pushed yourself really, really hard. Um, so yeah, taking it to its limits, or you could have been like nursing a cold. Uh, I'm not sure, and I don't think I am particularly qualified to answer such a question. Um, I would go and seek medical professional advice for that one. So woo, boom, first question, done. <laughs> but the questions we're gonna ask and answer tonight, I've got four particular questions that have already been sent in. The first one is from Phil and Kelly, so I'll just get them up on the screen now. This is question number one. So, Philip Haddock says, are heart rate monitors any good for training for an ultra? And Kelly echoes that. Kenny Benedetti, Kelly Benedetti says, I've been wondering about heart rate training for ultras as well. So I'm gonna cover everything. So first things first. So number one, most coaches agree that wrist mounted HR, so that's what is here, this, uh, the two little things just under, on the underside of your watch, um, it usually goes, the flash is green at some point. Um, Oh, it's not doing it now, it always does it, <laughs> now it's not doing it, but basically this flashes and um, well, uh, apparently, I think how that's how it works, it sends, it um, reads your pulse through your wrist. So wrist mounted HR isn't as good as a chest strap for accuracy, I think we can all be agreed there, um, but unless you're Gillian Jornet, etc., you might be fine with the wrist mounted just as a guideline, especially as the chest strap can be a bit fiddly, especially if you're a woman and wearing a bra. So I personally am fine with a wrist mounted HR and find that, you know, good as guidance. But you don't necessarily need one of these because what HR gives you basically is your effort level, um, which you can also guesstimate by paying attention to your breathing. So if you're able to have a conversation easily, um, you're probably in like zone one to two. If you're able to say like the odd sentence and your breathing is labored and you know, having a full on conversation is kind of hard, then you're probably in zones three to four. And if you're only able to gasp out like the odd word or nothing, then you're probably in zone five or six. So how do you use these zones? Well, point number three here is, the training zone. So all the coaches I keep speaking to on these live chats on Wednesday evening, they keep reiterating the current scientific thinking, which is that you should train in your in zones one to two. So really easy conversational pace training for 80% of your training. And then only 20% of your training should be like balls out zones five or six really can't grasping gasping for breath can't really hold a, definitely can't hold a conversation can hardly get even one word out. So that's how you should train for maximum performance. According to some of the top coaches today like um, Ian Sharman and Joe Friel um, and the links to their films which they 
I've said this in is in the description below, so the film description below. So check that out. I'll, I'll hook up to both those film links in there. So it's basically the 80-20 rule for maximum performance boost for training for um, any distance they seem to agree and especially ultra running so that you don't wear yourself out because a lot of people just find themselves training in that kind of comfortably uncomfortable zone of zones three to four and apparently that is not the place where you should be doing the mainstay of your training if any of your training so I know it's you know the easiest one to do but if we can do really really easy like so easy it doesn't even feel like we're training also it's building the aerobic system it's build it's also letting you recover from those harder training sessions then you will really be able to go hard for those 20% of sessions so for, for a lot of us who are just running say three or four times a week that's just one session of say hill reps or intervals or tempo run which is the one where you go as hard as you can for like 10 minutes like a park run basically but for you know 10 minutes or so so yes, I hope that gives you a bit of advice on training for ultras using your heart rate. So 80-20 rule, and it's basically a guide. And once you kind of got your heart rate dialed, um, you can sort of you can sort of gauge it on perceived effort. Um, uh, I wouldn't be a slave to the heart rate. I'd be a slave more to how your breathing is um, and how you feel as well. So I hope that has given you um, a little bit of advice there. So, on to the next question, which is quite a big question here. We've got Catherine, um, one of my patrons. She is asking about how to clean things. So, <clears throat> so the great way, um, the great thing about keeping all your kit in really good condition and cleaning it thoroughly and in the right way is that it's much more eco-friendly because your kit is going to last for a long long time the guys at rerun who um they take in a lot of like old race t-shirts and they make it into they make them into other cool things and you know they chop stuff up and make new stuff with it um they say that the most eco-friendly piece of clothing is the piece of clothing that you're wearing right now so um try not to throw stuff away and in doing so oh look oh it's 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 shining green ah that's what i was trying to show you before it does that all the time <laughs> and now then it wouldn't do it when i wanted it to okay so um back to what we were talking about um uh yes cleaning stuff so yeah we want things to last as long as possible to be as eco-friendly as possible so <clears throat> i will start off with hydration bladders and bottles so hydration bladders um are very similar to bottles i've chosen this bottle in particular because it has um a drinking tube on it which is kind of similar to our hydration tube um so I'm just going to take you through how I would clean mine and if you've got any comments that, um, you know, like extra tips on how to clean um, hydration bladders and soft bottles, then do um, hit people up in the comments below um, and share your advice. So um, usually I try to use only water in soft bottles and hydration bladders. Mainly these days I'm using soft bottles in like the front compartments of my rucksack um, rather than hydration bladders. Um, <clears throat> but if you've got a long run, like, uh, of kind of, you know, you need to, to carry two litres of water and you know you're not going to find any more water, then you could maybe use a hydration bladder because you can fit more in. Um, I find soft bottles easier to clean than hydration bladders. Um, they're just smaller and, you know, they, so I think some of them even might be dishwasher proof, you never know. So, um, <clears throat> using just water in them makes it a lot easier. Um, 
and if you aren't using water then you'll be using things like electrolytes you'll be using kind of carb powders energy powders that kind of thing um, which a lot of people do use um, or squash something like that so if you are using anything that's not water you really 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 do have to be on top of the cleaning so you've got to clean them out as soon as you get back to your back from your run basically to minimize minimize the growth of disgusting slime and beasties and and you know like disgusting things inside here so um what i would do is if like just a daily after your run um i would just rinse it out with water um and leave it to dry cropped upside down so like if you're doing it in the kitchen and you've got knives in um you know like in a stack in, like like these pencils are here like if you've got like all your cutlery here so say you've got like um a, a butter knife sticking up i just balance it over like that so that it properly drains out um so leave it to dry upside down and um, squeeze the valve a bit so that everything comes out of the tube or out of the end of the valve. Um, and that is what I would do on a, on a regular basis. Hydration bladder also, you can kind of get a tea towel up there, you know, like if you've got one of the wide opening or the, the end opening um, hydration bladders, you're gonna get a tea towel up there and you can properly dry it all out. Um, that's quite straightforward. Um, <clears throat> I suppose you could put a little bit of a tea towel up here, but you know, a draining is usually fine. And then you usually find that there's, you know, some water kind of sitting in the ed around the edge of, of where it shuts there. So you just like give it a a flick like that um, and then use it the next day or next couple of days rinse it out before you use it and it should be fine um, then probably every month or so um, I would probably do a bit more of a clean so get some Milton you know the sterilizing tablets or the sterilizing fluid um, and make sure everything is properly sterilized in here um, the valve and the tube parts can be a little bit more difficult so in the past i have used um a, an old bit of washing line to poke up here so if you chop a bit of old washing line um sometimes inside well the one i had it had like um it had bits of kind of string inside it that flayed out of the plastic. So I kind of chopped the plastic bit, but not the string. And then it made like this handy kind of thing that I could shunt up and down the tube to just clean the tube out there. That was really handy. You can get dedicated kits for this, but you know, just make it up at home with like whatever wire you've got or whatever fits up. And then the valve, you can actually, most bottles, you can take the valve fully off like this and then you can clean it properly inside so you can get like one of those earbud things and, and poke it down there or in the past I've also used um, the end of a small spoon as well just to kind of gouge out any visible um, nasties that you can see growing in there so that clears out all the visible stuff and then hopefully the Milton takes care of all the invisible stuff as well so that's a two-pronged attack there on all the grime that will inevitably build up um, especially in this valve bit here as well um, so um, I've linked to Milton um, in the film description below um, if you've not heard of it it's quite a common product and you can get supermarket own brands as well they're a little bit cheaper as well um, so let's just see in the comments if people agree with me um, okay, we've got a super Bantasaurus says, um, oh, he's got, he or she has a tip for salmon sauce flasks. So, um, take apart the silicone mouthpiece, this bit here, um, every couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> they did it for the first time the other day and it was full of black mold. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. So it does build up. So 
I think after every run, a rinse out is fine, but like every maybe month, it depends how kind of clean focused you are for every couple of weeks, every month, then do just pay a little bit of attention to this end here. It's better if you just use water, but if you're gonna be using carbs and um, electrolytes, like energy electrolyte drinks and squash, then it does tend to gunk up a little bit quicker. Cool. Okay. Uh, so Alex has a tip too. Always check your bottles and the bottle valves before a race. He found black goo in his bottles half an hour before the start of a half marathon in Brecon. Oh my goodness. That sounds disgusting because then you're stuck, aren't you? You've got to drink it and you know that you're drinking black goo. Uh, yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> Um, and then Super Bantosaurus says, Milton is a great shout, thanks. We'll bring back memories of when the kids were babies. Yes, yeah, it's also a really good product for sterilizing babies' milk bottles. Um, so yeah, uh, get yourself some of that and, and use it in these. So that's the soft bottles side of things. Um, and we just got a couple of people joining us here as well. I'll just do a bit of a shout out to Benjamin Bowen, who has just joined us, and also Sue Hewitson. So hi to you both. Hi Sue, hi Ben, um, and glad that you could join us. And another tip coming through here from Paul Rogerson, who says he always uses Tailwind in his soft flasks and always cleans with Milton fluid. Um, a quick rinse off with water afterwards gets rid of the chlorine taste. Yeah, that's a really good point actually, Paul. Thanks for bringing that up. So if you have sterilized it with Milton, um, don't go then just putting your drink straight in. You do wanna give it a rinse out with that. It probably says that on the back of the Milton pack in you know the using conditions as well. Um, <clears throat> so. So yeah, that is how you clean them. Um, other people say that they store them like in the freezer. You can put them in the freezer drawer and um, then it like obviously freezes the growth of any microbes and things like that. Um, that might be a nice idea for the summer. Um, in the winter, maybe not so fun. Um, but yeah, that's just another option. I haven't done that personally, uh, but apparently it's something that some people do. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, tend to just give them a good a good scrub out from, from time to time whenever the grind really builds up. Okay, so the next thing that Karen wanted to know about um, was windproofs and waterproofs. So this is jackets um, and trousers. So how to clean them, how to get the best out of them. So, um, <clears throat> so um, each manufacturer um, will have specifications for how best to clean and reproof your windproofs, your waterproofs, and, and any gear really that includes down jackets, etc. So um, I would look online and I would follow the manufacturer's instructions there. If they aren't online, I would contact the manufacturer and just get those instructions from them because that is going to be your kind of fail-safe, guarantee-proof of doing things the right way so that if everything fails you can take it back to the shop and they can't accuse you of doing anything wrong so so that is the first thing to do um, and then i'm just going to take you through how um, most garments are washed and and how i normally do mine um, and how i normally do mine is and mostly this involves not washing them very often at all so um i don't consider um waterproof jackets and windproof jackets like other clothing like I, I wouldn't just put them in the wash after every run or anything like that i don't wash them until absolutely necessary and 
absolutely necessary in this case means not until you feel like the garment is not performing as it should um, or if it's visibly really dirty so if it's visibly really really dirty I would just get like a really soft like a sponge or like a really soft cloth N nothing with like a Brillo pad type edge to it at all um, or even just use your fingers just get uh, get the dirt off with some with a damp cloth um, with no detergent on it or anything just with water if you can so if you do that kind of as soon as the dirt gets onto the jacket you've got a better chance of that just coming off really easily just with some water um, if not then um, some soap flakes so it's just some some general soap should be fine for that um, don't use normal detergents on your waterproof or windproof items because what that does is it it's so good that it wrecks the durable water repellent coating the DWR which is on the outside of the jacket so so don't do that um, so uh, yeah and the other thing is that um, the whole not washing until it's absolutely necessary thing, that ties in nicely with my advice on not wearing those windproofs and waterproof jackets until absolutely necessary on the hill, just to avoid sweating in them unnecessarily. I get a lot of people um, on here saying, oh, my jacket's not breathable or my jacket's not waterproof. I'm, you know, they're, they're getting wet on the inside because they're sweating. And that's sometimes, not always, but sometimes because they're expecting to be able to wear the jacket even when they're running hard and you know and it's not raining that much and it's actually quite warm outside so like obviously I don't want to give advice which means that people are you know going to the stage of hypothermia before they start putting a jacket on but just assess the situation around you if it's you know just drizzling and it's quite a warm day your clothing dries really quickly so unless it's really windy and making you really cold there's no reason to put that extra layer on and start sweating until absolutely necessary so you just got to make sure it's kind of experience that will teach you when to put it on and when not but basically you've got to put it on before your hands are too cold to do the zip up or if you're if you think you might get into that situation you can do the zip up prior just like a little way and then use it as a smock and put it over your head and then zip it up like that so that would be um, my advice to you is to just not wear your wind and waterproofs until absolutely necessary and then you have to clean them less because you've sweat in them less so there you go that is my advice to you there so if you definitely definitely need to wash your jacket or your waterproof trousers then what most manufacturers will say is to um, wash the whole whole thing jacket on um, a, quite a low um, temperature probably like 30 or 40 most of them will recommend um, washing them in soap flakes or you've got these products from Nickwax, Grangers and Stormcare so I've got a picture of this Nickwax um, the tech wash and the wash in direct as well there um, so the one the green one on the left the tech wash that is the cleaning the washing um, detergent there the special detergent that won't take the DWR off and the TX direct washing is the re-waterproofing the, the rejuvenation of that DWR you can also get that as a spray as well um, 
So Nick Wax, Grangers and Stormcare, they're all, um, they all are eco-friendly products. They all um, sign up to a various kind of blue sign type eco-friendly um, uh, protocols. So you know that it's not going to wreck the environment if you use these products, which is a double whammy. So I've listed all of these um, Nick Wax, Grangers, Stormcare products in the film description below or the podcast show notes. So just look them up there. Um, so you wash your jacket in, um, I usually save up, you know, like if you've got a couple of jackets or, and, and a windproof and some waterproof trousers, like wait till you've got a, a good, like half load there and then wash them in that in the washing machine or by hand, either, either or, um, and then, um, afterwards then for a waterproof jacket if you're then then if you need to reproof so some companies sell something which does two in one um, but a lot of companies do a washing product and a re-waterproofing product because you don't always need both at the same time so if you're then moving on to the re-waterproofing stage um you do exactly the same thing if it's the wash-in product or you hang it up and you spray it if it's the spray product um and then you're usually advised to tumble dry on a low setting like 30 or 40 degrees c um or if you haven't got a tumble dryer or access to a tumble dryer then you can hang it over a radiator so or in a warm airing cupboard um not touching the radiator just near a warm radiator um and because basically the heat helps that chemical treatment to bond to the jacket's fibers so that's why we're using warmth to fix that on there so as i said links in the film description to all of these products that you might find useful um and yeah just don't wash it in unless it's entirely necessary. Like until it smells, until the water's not beading up on top, they call that wetting out. And sometimes you'll get that under where your backpack has been. Um, and sometimes you'll get it at wear points like like here, but that's not so, so bad because you, know, you don't tend to let in loads of water under the arms. Another good point to um, just like, just riffing around this topic is if you buy a waterproof jacket that's just like not skin tight you know like it's a little bit on the large side maybe a size up then you can actually fit your running pack underneath so you pop your jacket over the top i know you look like a hunchback it's not a good look but it stops your jacket from wearing off that durable water repellency on your waterproof it stops your backpack from wearing that off on your waterproof so it just prolongs the life of that jacket a little bit longer as well and it's easier to take on and off you know if you've got one of those marginal days and you're just like is it gonna rain is it not gonna rain you keep putting it on and then you're like oh i'm too hot take it off again you can easily just whip it on whip it off and i just usually stow it in you know like the backpack strap kind of comes around here i just kind of put it in there wind it round um and just have it flapping around basically so we've got some comments let's see what everybody's talking about while i have been um talking away so um i cobra kai says have you tried cleaning with camp suds no i haven't i'm guessing that's some kind of soap flaky type thing um i don't actually buy like the proper tech wash myself i just get generic soap flakes from the supermarkets it is getting harder and harder to buy just soap flakes so um yeah if you can get your hands on some tech wash or the the grangers just wash in products or the storm um storm care products as well then then those are definitely good but no i haven't tried camp suds please fill me in on what they are Sue Hewitson says she is the same. Good on you, Sue. She never washes until absolutely necessary. 
Then she goes for the Nick Wax Tech Wash and the waterproof coating to recoat. Yes, yeah, that is um, really good, Sue. And it's probably more eco-friendly that way as well. I know um, one of the PR guys, he was um, he was really shocked at me because I basically, I wear all my running clothes like again and again. Like I do the sniff test, like I, I sniff the armpits. If it doesn't smell, I just wear it again. And <laughs> so Clive Allen, who does the PR for Petzl, well, he did anyway. Um, he was a he was like like a sconced at me because he puts he just gets his running club he takes off all his running clothes and just puts them straight in the washing machine every single time and I'm like no I just hang them out to dry <laughs> so I felt like a right scuzz but anyway I think that's better for the environment don't we all think that guys um and Philip Haddock says have you put a tissue in your waterproof jacket pocket and then when it gets damp it needs repute proofing ah that is a good uh yeah that's kind of a good way to think about it as rather than the mobile phone um as a test so using a tissue in the waterproof jacket pocket and when it gets damp then it needs reproofing um i would say that uh the only thing about that is it is a good method but i would say that you can't rely on the raw waterproofness of waterproof jacket pockets anyway um even if they've got those waterproof kind of um uh, edges to them like if they say they're like a waterproof zip there's always always a tiny bit at the top there where water can eventually ingress especially if you're going to be running like all day or for multi days so stuff in your pockets I wouldn't use a pocket as like a totally watertight thing um a dry bag in the pocket yes but I think there is uh, definitely scope for rain to get into a waterproof jacket pocket and wet a tissue even if the rest of the jacket is performing okay so i would use it as like a, oh my goodness if the tissue is totally soaked then yes maybe but if you know you just got a bit of wetting out on the edges of the tissue then it's probably fine so that is just my view on that one cool okay wow we're half an hour in already and i've only done two questions better get a wiggle on so the next question oh this is quite a fun one because i've got some things to show you here the next one is from paul hamilton who wants some recommendations for winter socks and gloves and we've just got a live answer from Nigel Barnett as well, who says he, oh, I'm glad you're with me, Nigel. He also wears his running clothing a number of times before washing it. Like, if it doesn't smell, why not wear it again? That's my view anyway. Um, no one's gonna be running near me at the next meetup. <laughs> um, so, patron um, Paul Hamilton wants to know um, about winter socks and gloves. He wants me to re recommend some winter socks and gloves. He always gets cold digits. So first of all, we're going to go for the socks. Um, and there's two things here. There's two types of socks um, and the ankle gap between the shoe and the legging that is good to consider in the winter especially. So with the socks, um, I would go for a uh, slightly thicker sock so sometimes even like a light hiking sock so um, things to look for in the title of the socks are mid-weight in a running sock um, so in the product name or the specifications or lightweight if you're going to go for a hiking sock um, or you've got waterproof socks as well they are a nice option for winter um, especially one with a like a merino lining because that can keep your foot warm as well as waterproof um, 
the the thing with the waterproof socks is yes you're going to get you're going to get sweaty feet and they're less breathable than a normal sock so you will get wet a little bit from that anyway but it will be warm and wet <laughs> and um, it's good if you're going to go through quite freezing cold puddles or snow um, that's that's where a waterproof sock can come in really handy um, some people find that using waterproof socks for long distances it can be less comfortable than a normal sock um, but if you're just doing your training runs you know like one hour two hours then um, a waterproof sock can be a really nice option here so with both of those options they tend to be a bit thicker so just make sure that those thicker socks don't make your trail shoes too tight that's the only thing before you head off on a really long run um, and risk um, kind of your toes squishing together and those horrible blisters that you can get like between your toes um, you might want to look at some in gingy socks um, if that happens to you and um, I've got some examples um, of socks. I've linked to them in the, I'll, I will link to them in the film description below um, for some particular socks that I've recommended. But the other thing that you wanna do is, is make sure that the sock is a little bit longer than the ones you might wear in the summer. So in the summer, you can kind of get away with, you know, those like no-show type socks. I, I don't really like them because I find that sometimes they slip down and if they're no-show already, you can't like get them and hoik them back up. So um, I like a kind of an ankle length sock. But in the winter just um just have a look at and see where you're if you're wearing long leggings where they come down to um because you don't really want a gap between uh, like a bare skin basically at the ankle between your shoes and the leggings well i don't anyway because it makes you feel really cold so you might want the song to, sock to come up a bit higher so look for the word crew which should take you slightly over the ankle um and then maybe look for even knee length like if you're a person that doesn't really like to wear long leggings and you you know you prefer your three quarters or your kind of shorts then maybe knee length socks is the way to go in winter so um if you own a particularly thermal sock that's brilliant for winter then do also share in the comments below but i've just listed a few here in um, the description the film description so that you can easily click on and see what i'm recommending so we've got the bridgedale storm sock which is a waterproof sock made with merino wool for antibacterial and anti-odor properties there's also um i've sometimes run in winter in the light hiker from bridgedale um that's actually a hiking sock but it just comes up that little bit higher and it's that little bit thicker and it's still really nice and supportive and it doesn't move around on your foot um bridgedale have actually got a trail running range coming out in spring 2021 so there'll be all manner of actual trail running socks there for you to choose from as well but it will be spring by then so you won't need a winter sock <laughs> there's also a hundred miles socks as well so um maybe you could get a walking sock from them or um you could uh get one of their double layer socks because um they are intrinsically slightly thicker than a single layer sock obviously um depending on the thickness of the single layer sock obvs but um that is also good um is kind of good for insulation in the winter so you might want to consider a hundred miles walking socks oh sorry not a hundred miles a thousand mile, a thousand mile walking socks. Did I say a hundred at the start? I hope I didn't. I've got a bit of number dyslexia going on. Um, so then I mentioned in Gingy before the toe socks, which are super, super comfy. Um, in Gingy Performance 2.0 outdoor socks, mid-weight might be a good option, um, especially the crew version, which comes up a little higher than your normal sock. 
So um, those are just some suggestions there. I also really like Stance. I used some Stance socks on the Kate Rath Ultra and I'm pretty sure they were hiking socks actually. They were quite thick um, but I really really liked them. They were yeah perfect balance of um, dried quickly um, and kept my feet warm as well. Um, so yeah a good going investing in a good um, trail running or hiking sock like from one of these brands is a really good option because they just dry quickly once you've got them wet they then dry quickly if it dries out so that's why you'd go for um, a proper wicking a technical material sock rather than just wearing some sock from Marks and Spencers. Okay gloves I've got some gloves to show you so um, he's asking about gloves, but it, it, this one really depends on how cold your hands get. Some people's hands get super cold in like the most marginal of conditions. So I would consider, first of all, like one of those reusable hand warmers to slip inside the glove as well. Um, just pop it in your pack and, you know, if your hands get super cold, then, then slip that inside. Um, and my top tip regarding that is to don't, don't get really tight gloves. I've had gloves that fit like like a glove before, <laughs> like really tight gloves. But I found that they were really freezing because I didn't have a nice insulating air gap um, between the finger and the glove material. I prefer to have it a little bit roomy in there so that the air can actually do some insulation work as well as the fabric. Um, and also, if it's not big enough, you can't do that trick where you, you pull, I'll, I'll show you in this, this massive glove here, you, there's a trick where you pull your, you've got your fingers usually in all the glove holes, haven't you? This is a massive mountaineering glove. Um, so you've got your fingers in all the holes. If your fingers get really cold, they're isolated in these like little pockets, little coffins of coldness here. So what you've got to do is pull all the fingers without pulling the glove off, pull all the fingers and the thumb into the palm. So you've just got a fist here and no fingers in the finger holes and um, your hand will warm up. Just wiggle it around in there, like wiggle, wiggle all your fingers around in there and your hand will warm up. So that is just my top tip for having super cold hands in the winter. And then you can get them back in when, and they're, um, when they're warmed up and good to go. So oh, I've shown you my glove now. I was supposed to show you the other one first. So I've got like three levels of glove depending on the, on the weather. So as I like to do, <sighs> you may have noticed a lot of filming a lot of photos a lot of iphone use i actually really like these gloves these are from peru and the brilliant thing about these is they're fingerless so i can work all of my um little gadgets out there on the trail so my fingers are sticking through the thumb has a little hole in it so i can even poke the thumb through as well because that's pretty handy and then if i start to get cold they've got this genius mitten over the back which i just hook over the fingers like so and it turns into a mitten and the great thing about that is that all your fingers are together in the end of the mitten so it actually can be really really warm so you can pick up a pair of gloves like this in accessorize um fat face white stuff like uh, top shop that kind of thing i've got steve some nice ones that were like a bit more manly than this one um, yeah, they do have a bit gaps in and they're not windproof. They're fairly good in the rain, but they will get soaked eventually. Um, I think this is made of an alpaca or a llama or something like that because it is from Peru. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very, very good. And it's good for conditions where you just need a light glove and you still want to work all your tech. Um, so 
another pair of more kind of <laughs> normal gloves that I've got with, in that kind of range are these ones and they are just little liner gloves really with a bit of a grip on the palm there which can come in handy. I've actually made a little hole there so I can use my phone with that finger as well but this finger and this finger, the, the index finger and the thumb have these little tips on the end which mean that you can use your phone um, through it. It's, they're not great, like it's better if you use a bare finger which is why I've poked this one out the end but um yeah and also I find if you lick the um the the connection part there that makes your phone work um yeah you can also operate your phone with your tongue at a last resort it basically it just wants like heat body heat I think and and I don't know maybe it needs some moisture to operate but anyway so that's my second option there for um just uh, a really thin liner glove um, then uh, the next stage for me would be uh, this type of glove here. This is the North Face E-tip. And as you can see, it's got, can you see? Let me move this out of the way. Uh, it's got a, a tip um, just here, here, where is it? There, on the thumb and on the forefinger, um, a little gray tip there, which means that you can operate your phone um, you still wearing the gloves. It's not as good as bare fingers, but this is a little bit more uh, heavier weight glove for um, worse conditions like um, kind of you can use it with snow that that kind of thing. Um, it's fleecy lined. That these are really nice. I've had these for like literally ages, and they've lasted so well. I've linked up to them in the film description below. All of these gloves, and then. Um, if it if it gets really really cold i just get a pair of mountaineering gloves like this because if you've got cold hands you just can't do anything and it's really dangerous so sometimes i rarely wear these but sometimes i just put these in my pack and a slightly bigger pack needed but i just put these in my pack um and you get to the point sometimes when your hands get really really cold you get you grab these out of the pack you put them on maybe with your liner glove on to be honest because you don't you don't want to ever be if it's that cold you don't want to ever have naked hands and you put it on with the liner glove on as well and you do the thing where you take your fingers in like that as well and just get those hands warm put the hand warmer in these are like emergency gloves they're also good for afterwards if you've got Raynards stuff like that really good for people with Raynards, my hand is really hot now. So that's a massive mountaineering glove. This is an extremities one. I'll link up to that in the film description below as well if you want to check these out. Um, and the, the good thing about these is they've got a really nice smooth bit on the back of the thumb area so you can you can rub your nose. That's basically what it's designed for. Um, they're pretty waterproof as well, these. Um, they've got a leather palm so they're grippy um, and then they've got a waterproof material on the back there as well. So they're just like, you know, like if you're running in Scotland, if you're out all day, I don't know, if you want to do the Ramsey round or something like that and it's freezing and winter, then having something like this or, you know, some people might think this is overkill, but if you've got Reynards, then you won't. Um, then they are a really good option. So that's four pairs of gloves. That That's kind of basically my glove arsenal and it depends how cold it is, depends how, how, yeah, depends how cold it is, how far you're going and how remote things are. But basically it's never good to have cold hands. So always prepare for the worst, I would say, and get them on before you need to as well. Um, so let's just, just scroll back through the comments um, before we move on to the second part of Paul's question. Um, he's got another question as well. 
Um, so, okay, so we've got I Cobra Kai has come back to tell me what Camp Suds are. So Camp Suds is a brand of concentrating soap, concentrated soap for multi-use. Um, oh, maybe it's American because Conrad's come in and said they're a tech fabric friendly soap marketed towards campers instead of athletes. It's usually scent free too. Okay, well that's cool. Um, I'll check them out and um, maybe put a link to them in the description below as well. Um, possibly might be a product in America because I haven't actually heard of that before, but it's for camping. So I don't know um, if I would have anyway. So um, lots of people are saying that they're with me on the whole re-wearing of running kit thing, which is great. I'm not the only smelly one out there. So Hannah Baisley is saying after a gentle run, she re-wears after an airing on the line. Yeah, I've just put it on the banister and, um, and go, good to go. Um, and then we went on to the waterproof socks and the socks. So Philip Haddock's, uh, Philip Haddock has a, a shout out for Sealskins waterproof socks. Yep, so Sealskins, Dexshell, Bridgedale, all do a really good waterproof sock. All very highly recommended. And Conrad is um, just saying for cold hands he needs mittens. Oh yeah, so you can also get like a mitten version of these as well, which is super handy. Um, but I sort of do the whole bald hand up thing as a mitten option um because in mittens you can't do much stuff um so that's why i just go for like a slightly larger glove so i can do that um and then for his feet he has a wool blend hiking sock um in the winter for his running so yeah so sometimes a hiking sock can be good it's a little bit thicker so on the feet he goes for a tight weave um, <clears throat> and a non-breathable shoe, like a shoe that's not that breathable. So um, that stops cold air from getting in. So yeah, there's, that's an option as well. Some some shoes are more breathable than others. Um, basically, it uh, sounds grim, but to test the breathability of a shoe, you can also, you can always like um, the mesh part of it, um, you can always like hold it up to your mouth and kind of blow through it. And if you can feel your breath going through, then it's probably quite breathable, like a sieve. Um, and if it's not, then it's probably quite um, water resistant or wind resistant. Um, so uh, yeah, so you can test it out that way. Um, and oh, Conrad says, in a pinch, socks on your hands works very well. So yes, it does. But if you haven't got any gloves, why would you have spare socks? Hmm, that is a mystery. Um, but yes, yeah, socks on the hands also works very well. I, on the Kate Rath Ultra, I dried some socks from the previous day by using them as gloves on my hand. Ha, oh, cunning. I looked like an idiot, but it worked. Um, and I Cobra Kai has a shell you can tuck away. Ooh, that is a good idea. Yeah, so like a windproof shell over the top. Now, that is a great idea. I love that idea. Um, I would definitely use a pair of gloves like that. Um, and he is saying he is Canadian. Sorry for calling you American. I'm really sorry. That's a massive insult, isn't it? Um, and he says, socks in the hands. I hadn't thought of that. Um, Sue says, I need those massive mountaineering gloves. Someone told me not to wear socks over your hands to keep them warm. Um, oh, someone told, told, told me to wear socks over your hands to keep them warm too, although not tried it yet. Um, yes, you can definitely wear socks over your hands, um, but just make sure you've got spare socks in your bag. <laughs> um, oh, what's Hannah been up to? So Hannah Baisley has been wearing fleece-lined ski mitts um, to cycle commute. Yes, oh, very good. Never got cold hands. Bit more awkward for running, but they'd have their place in cold conditions. Yeah, so the bigger the glove, basically the less you can do in them. So that's why in one of these gloves, 
I would always wear a liner glove inside because when you pull your hand out, it's not suddenly naked and you can still do a lot with a pair of these on. Um, so um, that is that is what I would do. Um, um, and then Cobra Kai says, running in gloves is impossible. It's either too hot or too cold. Yeah, there is that as well. There's a bit of like on, off, on, off. But yeah, if you wear like a, um, like a little slim line pair of like liner gloves, then sometimes that can, that can be okay. Um, Conrad is also recommending ski gloves for running. Um, so some of them can be quite low, low cost, um, and they're quite good for minus 15. Um, so yes, ski gloves. Yeah. So you don't have to go out and buy a dedicated pair of gloves for every single sport. Just if you've already got gloves for mountain biking or biking or skiing, then just use them. Like no one, um, no one wants to get more stuff if they don't need to. <laughs> okay, and then Paul also wanted some tips for running in the cold. So he says, to what extent does cold temperature affect our ability to complete long runs? Well, um, depends how cold and depends on the person, obviously. Um, if it's really, really cold, obviously, you won't be able to complete the run because you'll get hypothermic. But <laughs> I'm just going to answer this by basically giving you my top tips for running in cold weather. So, um, I would say, first of all, you could warm up for five minutes inside before going out. That's quite a good one to do. Um, and make sure you keep your head warm and your hands warm with gloves and hat. That's a really good way of, of warming up, warm up those extremities. Um, you can also wear a, like a technical quick wicking thermal base layer. So probably long sleeved at that time of year. Um, and I would definitely say to layer up the clothing so that you can kind of unpeel and pop in your backpack as you warm up. Because often you'll start with everything on and then you get really hot after about 10 minutes. <laughs> So um, the other thing you can do in winter is to avoid um, stopping too much um, because you cool down as soon as you stop. So avoid stopping for too long um, and hanging about. And if you're running with other people, um, say one of you needs to stop for something. If the other person, say, needs the loo or needs to do something else, um, don't put it off. Just do it while they're stopped already. Kind of get a bit of a team herd mentality going on there um, and do things all at the same time. If one person's stop to like get eating drinking um go to the loo then do your stopping thing as well look at the map go to the loo get a snack out that you couldn't reach from the back of your pack etc so um avoid stopping for too long and too many times so um keep drinking as well even in winter when you think you don't need you know to carry much water with every breath you're exhaling exhaling moisture so um, keep drinking just a little sip every so often and, and you should not be uh, dehydrated. Um, if you can plan your route, um, plan your route so that you run into a headwind and then you've got a tailwind on the way back. That's always a useful one for winter because it can just be so sapping, energy sapping if you've got the wind in your face on the way back. Um, and if you're doing any speed work in particular, make sure you're fully warmed up. So again, take that warm up inside for five minutes. You know, like if you've not got much room in your house, just some squats, some lunges, some press ups, um, some just kind of jogging on the spot, heel kicks, knee raises, that kind of thing that will make you fully warmed up um, and then get into a jog and then then go for your speed work. 
and then really importantly get warm and dry as quickly as possible after running so even if you've just got like a 20 minute car journey get take your wet things off and put dry things on um because there's so many times when I've driven back from running club when I didn't used to live like one mile from running club um I used to live like 20 25 minutes journey in the car away from running club and so many times my hands would be on the steering wheel just getting that horrible yellowness of the finger like of Reynards and then you just so it's so hard to warm up once you've gone so I would definitely say like for me personally like being a woman like the bra makes you really clammy so um get get like the bra off get a tight t-shirt on or a crop top um instead um you can do those things like under a big t-shirt or you know get one of them dry robe things so that you can do that decency in the car park without scaring too many people um but yeah get this get wet clothing off um and get dry clothing on um especially if you've got a bit of a journey to getting home um those would be my um top tips for winter but yeah you can work, run through the winter um as long as you're comfortable to and as long as you're happy to and um yeah don't take any undue risks and um if you see an edge of a cliff with some snow at the edge, don't go right to the edge because there might be a cornice there. Just saying, be careful. Um, great, we've got some more comments on the live chat here. Um, Benjamin Vest speaks says, what is the simplest plan you can give a th 300 pound beginner? Oh, do you know what? Um, I don't understand pounds, but I weighed myself the other day um, and in pounds, I'm, I'm pregnant at the moment, so I weigh like the most I've ever weighed. I'm like five months pregnant. Um, I weigh 70 kilograms, which is like loads for me. I'm usually like 63. Um, and that in pounds is 140 pounds-ish. So I know that uh, 300 pounds must be around 22 stone, something like that. I don't know, forgive me if I'm wrong. Um, I'm British, I could, so I could, I don't only do stones and pounds, I don't do like the whole pounds thing. So 22 stone beginner, simplest plan. Okay, so this might be a bit controversial on a running channel, but um, for larger people, I would recommend um, walking. Um, walking with a backpack, weighted with a backpack, um, a lot of walking up hills, up any hill you can find, because I just think if you're large and you're beginning to run, you don't want all that strain on your joints straight away. And I know there's a lot of pressure, like in the, you know, you see lots of larger people, lots of photos of larger people running, but I just think walking is such an underrated activity. I think you should get the weight down to what your doctor considers a good weight for you, first of all, um, and then start the running. That is what I would say. Um, and I'm sorry if that's a bit controversial and a bit kind of putting a down on things, but I just think walking is amazing. So walk the weight off first and then, get into your couch to 5k your run walk run walk run walk 30 seconds on 30 seconds off then build that up gradually to one minute on one minute one minute on 30 seconds off um, and build it up from there till you can run a whole mile um, and carry on so that is the simplest plan I would give a 300 pound beginner and I hope that helps you and good on you for starting this journey into fitness because that is absolutely fantastic and you are brilliant um, so well done Benjamin um, we've got Chloe who says, I like to wear a buff on my wrist. It seems to keep my heat regulated. I get too hot if I take it off. Fantastic. Buff on the wrist. I haven't got a buff handy, but you can also put buff on the wrist 
wrist and use it as a little pocket. Martin, the manager of Ellis Brigham in Avimore, told me this trick. Um, so he puts a little pair of gloves in the buff on the wrist, a little pocket. You can put a cereal bar in. Um, don't put anything in there that you don't want to, that you don't mind if it falls out because it's not the most secure of pockets, but it can be a little pocket. So who knew? Um, Mr. Caffeine says, wow, a live stream. Hello. Well, hello to you, Mr. Caffeine. Um, Cobra Kai says, have you tried the new Innovate Graphene Grip Shoes? Yes, I have tried them and they're very, very good. Um, and I've asked Nikki Spinks about them and she says they last for ages. So they're very, very good. Um, very much like the Graphene Grip. Excellent. Um, Hannah says she agrees with what I said. She strips everything off, puts warm fleece stuff on after a run now, um, especially as her car heaters take an age to kick in. Yeah, you can't rely on those car heaters, can you? What's the time? Oh my goodness, I've got five minutes left to cover the last question. So Benjamin's saying he's 135 kilograms. Did I work that out right? I'm terrible at maths. I'm so sorry if I didn't work that one out. Running Ram says, congrats, Claire. Oh, yeah, that's because I'm pregnant. Thank you. Um, uh, lots of chat about the innovates um uh alex Tohoto recommends walking as well uh with a podcast on that is amazing um benjamin appreciates the honesty oh thank you so much i don't want you to be offended benjamin um yes and yes you are right you must walk before you run yeah i just think there's a lot of pressure on people to run 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 that's the only way you can exercise walking is brilliant and that will build your aerobic capacity brilliantly so don't feel like you have to run straight away walk 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 and come back to me in three months having done three um three no walk for one hour every day see if you can manage that for three months then come back and we'll talk about um doing more Okay, um, Amanda says, excellent advice about walking. Yeah, do you know what? Like loads of the top trail runners use hiking um, with a big backpack on in the hills at altitude a lot. Like Jasmine Paris swears by two weeks doing that for all her amazing um, classic British rounds that she did. So walking is not to be sniffed at. It's not a downgrade. Walking is part of trail running training. It's a really important part as well. Thomas Markowitz, I hope I pronounced that right, says, following my sessions with Shane, did I change my running form to utilize my posterior chain, my glutes and hamstrings, through push-off, etc. And how's it going? He has started and the effort and heart rate is through the roof all the time. Yes. Um, oh, well, I try. I try to think springy all the time. Um, and I think that helps definitely and you know what if you see another runner coming past you like a faster runner who's doing all those like head upright kind of posture type stuff then you feel uh, like copying them and you go for it so yes I have been doing that but it is more difficult I would say and yeah um, when you're trying to change like even little subtle things about your running form the concentration the focus that you need it takes more energy and also the um yeah the the muscles are working differently so obviously it's going to um impact you a little bit more um effort wise so but keep on doing it think um think sort of like um uh springy and bouncy and light um and uh, we'll all be better at running um Cool. Uh, Nigel Barnett's telling me there's 14 pounds in the snow. I know, but I can't do basic arithmetic while live, can I? <laughs> okay, we've got to get through the final question now because it's almost an hour that I've been yabbering on and I promised I'd go and cook a Thai curry for my husband. So the last question that we've got tonight is John Airy. John Airy, have you ever done a, de a video detailing what you can carry in a first aid kit? 
um, that is quite useful for any kind of emergency. Oh, I didn't read that part of the question. Any kind of emergency. No, I just don't have, I just, I would just talk about what I need in a running emergency. Um, so, um, uh, the first aid kit. Yeah. So how many people carry a first aid kit? Hands up. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. If I'm running with a running club, then most often I do because I'm the running leader um, and it would just look really bad if I couldn't attend to people's needs. Um, but basically, the first aid kit is not just for you. So I carry a first aid kit because you never know when you're gonna have to turn on full superhero on the hill and you know just tend to someone in need. It might be a kid, might be a mountain biker that's fallen off, it might be um, some hiker that's twisted that ankle. So, so first of all, I often carry a first aid kit because um, not because I think I'm gonna need it, but because you know you never know what you're gonna come across, and you know, good chance I'll be a hero. Um, so. These days, I would probably add to these, just to say, um, during COVID times, I would probably add, it, add in some anti-back, um, like, a, you know, a, one of them bottles of anti-back, maybe some medical gloves and a face mask, just these days, just saying. Um, and so the um, one that I would recommend, if you don't want to make your own, is the Life Systems Light and Dry Nano First Aid Kit. So I've put a link to that in the film description below. I will do once this is finished, I promise. So this is the recommended first aid kit of the original Mountain Marathon, the OM. Um, and it's got a little leaflet that tells you what to do. It's got safety pins. It's in a little waterproof bag. It's got, oh, a sachet of sun cream. That sounds helpful. Um, it's got some sterile swab things, alcohol cleaning wipes, zinc oxide tape, um, sterile dressing, um, some plasters, a blister plaster, um, an elasticated bandage, um, and it weighs under 100 grams and it's teeny tiny, it's like this big, 20, 120 times 120 millimetres, so very small. Um, I've got some pictures, I've written a book on trail running and um, I've put what I carry in my first aid kit in the book. So this is what's going to be in the book, sneak preview. Um, this is my basic first aid kit for low level trails, close to civilization. And if you can see, there's a space bottom left and that is because we had a picture of a £10 note there and apparently you're not allowed to publish pictures of money without prior permission from the treasury or something. So we had to take that off. So there was a £10 note there. But I usually carry like some small um, like emergency food, a whistle, which you might find is on the chest strap of your pack these days. I carry a phone as standard. Um, I carry an electrolyte in case I start getting a headache. Um, a couple of dressings just there, some safety pins because safety pins because sometimes zips can go on your pack and stuff and you just might need a, a safety pin to zip a pocket back together. We've got some antiseptic wipes here we've got some um oh it says a sterile needle for popping blisters um oh i can't even see that but yeah you could carry one of them um i would carry that for more like oh i think that's wrong actually oh dear i think i would carry the needle more in the uh, remote situation than the close to civilization situation but anyway can't harm anyone so i've got some actual blister plasters there like compede and then some normal plasters you know like for just general cuts and stuff um and some zinc oxide type tape stuff and then i've got a tampon there as well because um even if you're a bloke i reckon you could carry a tampon or a sanitary towel with you because you just never know if a female friend is going to come on like in the 
the middle of the mountains. And if you're on some kind of day long trip in the mountains and you suddenly start your period, then it's just really handy to have a tampon or a sanitary towel in your first aid kit. And also if you do carry a sanitary towel, you can actually use that as a dressing because what's it for? it's supposed to be for blood, isn't it? So you can use that as a dressing as well. So you can actually double up. I'm all for, you know, lightweight stuff that can double up as other stuff. So even if you're a bloke, do consider carrying those things. Don't feel embarrassed about it. If a woman um, needs your help during a race or something like that, then, you know, no one's going to be embarrassed. They're just going to be really thankful. So this is my first aid kit for little bit um, more hilly mountainous trails. So I've got a head torch. I take like a spare head torch for... Um, you know, if you're out a little bit longer than usual. We've got everything else that I just talked about, but also a survival bag there. I usually would also take a small portable charger for my phone as well. Um, the portable charger, that I, I really love my portable chargers. They're from, um, I've forgotten the name now, <laughs> Zero something. Let me just get it out of the thing, so I really should give them a, a shout out. This is this is the huge one, goal zero, that's it, goal zero. This is the huge one, this lasts for ages. Really, really good charger. So it's got these little chargers in the side of it here. So this one is for an iPhone. So that's what I will take with me with the little, little lipstick style version of this charger. So that just contains enough charge to charge up your mobile phone um, it, from dead, basically. So they're so handy, especially for me doing all the social media. Um, other things, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty much the same, um, apart from those things that I've just mentioned. Um, but I would carry a bit more money because um, if you're going more remote, there's more chance that you could be further away from civilization. So that's why I would carry um, some more money, just because a taxi fare might be more. <laughs> um, oh, and people have said some other things as well. Oh, tweezers. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Alex has said... Um, a cust his custom first aid kit has tweezers in for extracting tiny thorns that's a really good shout and I know John Airy who sent me the question originally he said that he also carries um, a ticker picker as well um, and I'll, I'll just put a list of what he carries so he carries this like this, this is like a really overarching um, first aid kit that he carries he carries this one from uh, life systems it's the camping one so he's got basically everything in here it's just on the side there um, in the YouTube broadcast um, and he also carries um, Oh, where did I put it? Oh, here he is. Here it is. Then he also, as well as that, carries all this as well. So we all want to be around John um, if anything bad happens on the hills. Um, so he's carrying like little scissors and stuff and a face shield for like mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. He carries a little card um, with first aid on it. That's really um, good actually because sometimes even if you've been trained in first aid, in that emergency situation, you can get all flummoxed and forget what you're supposed to do. So a little card just reminding you of the what you're supposed to do is is a really good idea. Um, he also takes a thermometer and a burn shield. He doesn't take safety pins because um, they take them off you when you go abroad. Um, but I find safety pins quite useful just for the aforementioned zip breakages. So that's why I would take safety pins there. So thank you so much to John for sending that in. That's um, really useful and it's really good to cover that. And I think I will do individual videos about first aid kit and about cleaning kit as well. Um, just little 10 minute ones on the channel because who wants to listen to an hour of live broadcast before they get that information um 
So, Mr. Caffeine is asking me how I keep fit being pregnant. Well, quite frankly, I'm probably not. <laughs> I'm not as fit as I was when I wasn't pregnant, but I have been carrying on with my running. I've been doing a lot of walking. I've been doing cycling. I've been doing swimming. So, um, yeah, I'm not getting obese yet, but um, yeah, I will, I'll see how the next four months goes because running is starting to run, quite frankly, very difficult because of the pressure on the bladder. I just constantly, the moment I start running not with any other sport I just feel like I need the loo immediately you go to the loo you know you run off you find a bush you go to the loo nothing comes out hardly anything comes out and you're like oh body um it just must be the way the baby is sitting um because my other friend Vicky she doesn't have any problem at all and she's two months more pregnant than me so I'm very jealous of her but a lot of other women I've been on a lot of forums and a lot of other women say they have a similar problem so um so yeah you just got to take um, take each day as it comes and if you can't run just slow to a walk as I said before to Benjamin there is nothing wrong with walking walking is absolutely a fantastic way of keeping fit um, and it shouldn't all be about the running even for runners so those are all the questions um, uh, and there's three more things I need to tell you um, you can get a wild ginger running buff or t-shirt um, if you go online I think I still got the little shop um, oh, here we go. Yes, I've got a link to the shop there. So that's my shop. Um, so if you would like to have a t-shirt like this, um, or one that says happy trails, because we all want to be happy on the trails, this whole point of running, then um, go to the shop, have a look. There's buffs there as well. Um, so get yourself on them. The other thing that would be really cool is to sign up to my training camp. So, oh, I've got the dates wrong. Don't look at those dates. It's not the 24th to the 26th of April, 2020. The training camp in 2021 is here. And it is, oh, get rid of that. Um, it's on the 16th to the 18th of April. And it's also in October and I've forgotten when. Let me see if it's in my diary. Um, oh, how remiss of me, it's not. I think, I can't remember when it is in October. You'll have to have a look on the website. But there's one in October next year and there's one um, in April next year. So come to the training camp. We're gonna do night running testing out poles, strength and conditioning, navigation, um, four beautiful runs in the Peak District. It's gonna be absolutely amazing. It's gonna be sensational. We've got four people booked on the April one already, so it's definitely gonna run. Um, we can probably have 10, um, and then if we get any more, like if we get 20, we'll get another coach. Dave Taylor's gonna be the coach, and he's awesome, um, and it's basically aimed towards beginner to intermediate. So it's not gonna be about like, oh, let's go for a really fast run and leave everyone behind you can't run that speed I will have just had a baby so I will not be in any state to be running really quickly so it's all for beginners and it's all about learning rather than bombing through the mountainside so we're gonna eat lots of cake look at the views and generally have a really awesome time so come to the training camp if you can it's at the link there I'm running it through tracks and trails um, mountain running holidays so also look at their website if you want because they've got loads of other cool holidays there I think they might just be able to start running again because of COVID, but you've always got to monitor the situation, haven't you? 
So anyway, hopefully the situation will be under control by April so we can run the first ever Wildridge training, training camp. Woo! Um, and then the last thing to do is become a patron. So um, basically, the way that I fund this channel and like sit here giving you all this uh, advice is because I have these amazing patrons that support me. Um, Patreon.com slash Running, Lots of different tiers. Anything from $5 to a million dollars. Come on, someone. Million dollar tier. Um, and basically, you get loads of perks like the exclusive films, um, uh, me answering your questions on stuff like this, asking elite athletes in interviews st your questions in priority. You get to be in the Facebook group where we all have a laugh um, and the Strava group, um, which I'm very bad at <laughs> because I'm hardly ever um, doing anything anymore. Um, and what else? You get a competition. Yes, you get automatic entry into the competition to win £400 worth of trial running kit every single month. So, why would you not want to be in the patron group? It's really, really fun. We are arranging a meetup as well. We've got one booked for November. May or may not be allowed to happen. Let's just keep our fingers crossed. We might have to do it in groups of six, but we'll just see what happens, hey? Um, oh, uh, and I need to remind you that next week's um, live is not at is not on Wednesday night. So Sabrina Vergie, Penn I Way, um, FKT, ladies record holder, cannot make it for 6.30pm um, as usual on Wednesday. So we're just shifting it to Thursday just next week. So remember that. I'll put a shout out in the Patreon, in Patreon Facebook group and on Patreon itself as well on the website there. Um, but we will have a live broadcast on the Wednesday because it's the end of the month. So we'll be drawing the competition. So I'll do that around lunchtime on Wednesday. So keep your eyes peeled. Let's just read some comments out before I say goodnight. So... Um, who have we got? What's people been saying? Um, Amanda Armstrong says that Steve should be cooking for me. Yes, I think I can hear some clattering in the kitchen because I've waited so long now. He said he'd chop the vegetables, so we're going to tag team it, I think. He's also doing some work as well. Um, and Thomas Markowitz says, thank you, he will persist on his technique. Yep, go for it, Thomas, you can do it. Um, it will make all the difference, I'm sure. Just think springy and upright and boundy, not heavy and low and constricted at everything. Um, so yes, Steve should be cooking for me. That is definitely a scientific fact. Um, Amanda says, absolutely brilliant Q&A. Thank you so much, enjoy your curry. I will, I will. Thank you, Amanda. Um, and Mr. Caffeine says, great, you're much more active than the average person anyway. Oh, I just have to be, because otherwise it's just so dull, isn't it, life? Um, and Clary Mason says, thank you very much, Claire, and well done on the COVID-19K fundraising. Oh, thanks, Clary, that's really kind of you. Um, yeah, we fundraised um, £2,255, 71p, for Médecins Sans Frontières, and that was for the COVID-19K challenge. So I sold medals and t-shirts and buffs um, and all the profits went to the charity. So I'm just waiting for them to reply to me because I've emailed them saying, hi, I've got over 2000 pounds for you here. How shall I send it to you? And can I have a big check? So I really want to write it on a big check, um, but they haven't replied. So I'll have to ring them at some point. Um, so yeah, watch this space, but they will be getting loads of, uh, loads of money. And um, Chloe says, oh, Chloe's my best friend tonight. She says, um, I can recommend the Wild Ginger Running Tea. 
Thank you, Chloe. This is wonderful. I ran over 40 miles in mine with my pack on. It was very comfy and wicking. Amazing. Wow, that is so cool. Um, I think they're on the warmer end of the scale, so actually very good for winter. Um, thanks, Chloe. You'll have to put a picture of you doing that in the patrons group. Um, it would be really cool to see. Um, Abby says, hello Abby, um, Abby says, loads of interesting Q&As Claire, thanks, been doing loads of walking recently too, yes, and I think I will be doing more walking too <laughs> in the months to come, so yeah, walking is brilliant, um, walking is just like one of the best forms of exercise I think in the world. Um, and Mr. Caffeine says he will join me in 2021 whilst he is, uh, he is but when he is back from recovering from injury, wonderful, that would be great. Come and join us on a training camp. Cool, okay, so um, end of the live broadcast. I'm now gonna turn this into a podcast version so that you can listen to it on your run or on your walk. So thank you so much for watching everybody. Um, join me on Patreon if you can, um, stay safe. Um, we'll keep washing our hands and hopefully the November patron only meetup will go ahead. So fingers crossed. Okay. So good night, everybody. See you on the trails. Hi, it's Claire here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. These live chats take place every Wednesday evening at 6.30 PM UK time on World Ginger Running YouTube channel and the link is in the show notes. I just wanted to let you know that you can find this and loads more advice and inspiration and gear tests all about trail and ultra running on my YouTube channel, Wild Ginger Running. There are training tips, advice from elite athletes, top coaches, nutritious recipes, key exercises, injury prevention information, and tons of trail kit reviewed from running packs to poles, waterproofs to head torches, GPS watches, and shoes, 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 and did I mention shoes? I've been going for a few years now, so there's a huge archive of content to help you out with your trail and ultra running. To quickly and easily find the information you need, simply type your query into the Google search box and then write wild ginger running after it. Then Google will show you whatever blog posts or films I have on that topic. Give it a try. And if you appreciate listening and all the information that I share on YouTube, you're also very welcome to support me on Patreon, which gets you some additional excellent perks and the chance to win some awesome prizes. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee every month, patrons get discounts, extra films, access to the exclusive Facebook and Strava groups, the chance to ask questions to every live chat guest, plus automatic entry into my monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail and ultra running gear. There are only about 150 patrons, so the odds on a win are way better than the lottery. Interested? Find me at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Thanks for listening, guys. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails.